Hello, you are listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and this is the final episode of 2018. I still remember back in March of 2018 when I first launched the podcast, I was actually out in Oregon, out in the woods for a women's retreat that I was a part of. I had already recorded like four or five episodes at this point, and I just had not pressed the publish button on Podbean because of vulnerability and fear. (laughs) And I remember being out in the woods, and I decided now's a better time than ever to press publish because, hey, it might not actually even publish because the service is so bad out here in the woods. But I pushed publish and it went through. And after about four or five days of a vulnerability hangover, I was really able to lean into the experience of having this space and hosting this podcast. I am so grateful for the connections I got to make and conversations I got to have. I learned a lot and I'm just really grateful for all of you who have been listening and following along. This is the 37th episode of the podcast, and I do hope to come back in the new year in 2019 at some point, Um, but during the break, I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the old episodes that maybe you missed and or re-listen to some of them that really resonated. I'm really excited to have my good friend Kelly Murray on this final episode of 2018. Kelly is an artist. She's a designer. She owns two companies, Riley and Crew, children's brand, as well as the sister company, Quincy May. In this episode, we cover so much ground. I really struggled with even knowing what to name the episode because there's just so much in here. Kelly shares with us her background and how she came to the work that she's doing. We also go beyond the brand to talk about motherhood, being a mom, owning two businesses, the myth of balance, and what that actually looks like. Kelly also opens up and shares with us her history of health issues and her experience of chronic pain and how spirituality intersects with all of this. This is a pretty vulnerable conversation between two friends that Kelly was gracious enough to allow me to record and to share with all of you. I'm deeply grateful this was Kelly's first time on a podcast sharing her story. I'm grateful to all of you who are listening and sharing this space with me. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your year, and I hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. So I am sitting here with my good friend, Kelly Murray. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for for doing this. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. This is fun. I mean, you know, we are both really busy, so it's hard for us to get together, and I'm just I'm just grateful to have time to come into your home and like just have quality time with you. Same. I feel like you're like the easiest person ever to talk to. So I love it. So maybe we could start off with talking a little bit about how we met. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this on the drive over here because I was like, there's so many memories early on, but they all kind of get muddled. So I was like, what came first? And I think... I think I first met you at an event that was at UTC. 
And then after that, I reached out to you about designing invitations yep. for Riley mm-hmm. for my daughter's birthday. Yeah. And but then I'm like, but then how did we go, how did how did we go from like that. I'm I, <laughs> I'm paying you to do this to like the the friendship that we have. I actually today. don't know either. But I think we started we, I mean, so you did that. So we were and we were talking, but then, but then there must have been another event that happened where we just connected. saw each other in person yeah. and connected. Um, I mean, a really profound memory for me was when we were at the beach for an event that we were both a part of a photo shoot, yeah. and we showed up wearing the same dress. Yes, and we were. Yes, and we were both. We were, we were both pregnant, mm-hmm. and. Um, we had both also experienced a pregnancy loss before that pregnancy. Yeah. And so I think that was that it was. And I think we just connected because both our daughters were named Riley. Right. We both miscarried at around the same time. We yeah. both had showed babies up, in our bellies. Showed like, up at the same dress at, yeah. announcing <laughs> that we were, we were like, we're just destined to be friends. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was almost like something was like. I felt like it was like smacking in, like to show up in the same dress and yeah. a sa- announcing at the same time that we were pregnant yeah. and that our babies were too. It was like Stop one of those things. Me. <laughs> but it was like there was this like signal of like you are meant to be connected to this person. Yeah. Um, and then, so we were we were we became good friends after that. And then, I think then losing a mutual friend just like. Yeah, we went through that together. Really deepened um, that friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. So I I know that a lot of people are probably curious, because I asked you if you've been in a podcast before, and <laughs> I'm your first. Yeah. <laughs> so happy to be your first. I love that I'm on a podcast and I'm not sitting up in front of like thousands of people, because that's like my worst nightmare. So this feels like way more I doable. I know. I know. It's just me. It's yeah. just you and me. It's just you and me. And all the people that will listen. But yeah. like you don't have to... Like, I'm not thinking about that right <laughs> now. to think about that. Um, so I'm sure that people are curious to hear more about your journey to the, the work that you do. So um, for context, like y- before this episode, people have already heard, like I'll do a little like announcement of like wh- what you do and yeah, like, that okay. you're an artist and the work that you do and a mm-hmm. designer. Um, but can you share a little bit about how you came to doing the work that you do? How did you become an artist and a designer and yeah. a business owner? Oh gosh. So I have a long, long answer and a short answer. Um, I'll try and do the middle one. (laughs) Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Um, so I mean, I, I've always kind of been creative ever since I've been little, I've been like the wild creative one trying to do art projects and painting and creativity has just always come really naturally, naturally to me. Um, I like started my own little business when I was in high school and I sewed skirts for my friends. I would like take them to the fabric store and we'd pick out a fabric and then they would like, I would sew it into a skirt and like oh everyone gosh. was wearing my, my little skirts, which were so bad by the way. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I but didn't just, This is so like I entrepreneurial. Like I was just, I liked to figure out how to make money yeah. and, but I was creative. So that was, I feel like I've kind of always had creativity in me. Um, my dad was a silkscreen printer. He started a business out of his garage when I was two and grew it to like this big silkscreen company. So basically printing t-shirts. Yeah. Um, so fashion and like kind of that design world has always been a part part of of me too. And I kind of probably first got introduced to that through my dad and just was 
you know, interested in that whole world. So then fast forward to college, I went to college at FIDM, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise, graduated in two years um, with a degree in product development. And at the same time, um, when I was in high school, I guess back up in high school, my dad partnered with another guy, a young designer who started a men's brand um, called Jedediah, which also got me more super into the world of fashion and design. And I kind of learned Photoshop and Illustrator in those programs on my own, then decided to go to college for it. Um, and right after college, worked for him for a couple years doing merchandising and graphic design yeah. for that company. Um, so that's kind of my short background yeah. of like getting involved in just kind of the fashion industry and creative world. Right. Um, and then... I got married, had a baby, <laughs> right. um, and uh, I realized I kind of wanted to be home with her more than yeah. at the office. Um, and so, at like for a couple years while I was still working for him, I was um, doing. I was getting really into painting. I actually did a lot of like street art, so I would do like murals and like live like events and stuff where I would like paint on like I didn't yeah know that. like kind of wild like where? if you look back at my old old stuff it's like very different from what I do now but it's kind of just my beginning I like drew a lot yeah. of like girls with like long flowy hair and like but like it was like hard it was harder actually art for me because it wasn't it didn't come as naturally to as to what I do now it was like on buildings and just but, more street art style. But I want, it's interesting that like your beginning would start with something that didn't just come naturally. Like you, but and that, I, I think, think I just got inspired by the people around yeah. me. It was like the friends I was hanging out with. A lot of them were like doing that type of art, and I got inspired by you know one guy specifically who kind of took me under his wing and was like, "Let me show you how to do this. This is how you use the cans, and like this is how you know I paint." And so. I just got super inspired by him, and I mean, do these exist anywhere? These walls? Um, not personally. Oh, oh, the artwork. Well, one is in Waco, Texas, which I think it's still there. If you look it up, Waco, Texas, at Common Grounds Coffee Shop. That's actually a good place where you can see like how it used to look. Wow. <laughs> it was like their mural, but this was like done literally over 10 years ago, but it's still up there, which is shocking. Can we go there someday? <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> um, so. Anyway, I've, I had been doing art for a while and kind of started doing commission work and kind of after that got more inspired to do like watercolor, which it, I've honed my style more to more to what it is today. But um, I did like, you know, invitations and logo design because I was a graphic designer. So I kind of started building my portfolio of work personally on the side when I was still working for the brand. Um and so I kind of felt once I had Riley that I was like at a place where I could go off and do freelance work because I had started a blog, which wasn't even a blog back then. It was like a news feed on my yeah. website page where it was like I just showed like the events I was a part of and the projects I was working on. And I was slowly building like a social following. I feel like at the time it wasn't even Instagram. No, it wasn't. It was like some other <laughs> what was it I don't know I think it was Facebook maybe? You're, you're aging yourself yeah. Kelly <laughs> like it wasn't Instagram I don't remember how it was sharing my stuff um but anyway I felt like I had enough people who knew what I was doing to be able to go to free go freelance yeah. and hopefully be able to make it because well, I'm remembering when I 
I'm remembering first coming across your work and like why I then was like, oh, I want her to design my daughter's birthday invitations. Mm-hmm. It's because I like I felt like I also knew you. Like you were sharing parts of yourself as a person too. Like I knew that you were a mom and I yes. knew that like, I don't know. So I think there was like, there was, there was that piece too. Like there was a, there were glimpses into who you were as a person beyond mm-hmm. just being a really talented artist. Yeah. yeah. So maybe Instagram was, was it? I don't, I, I guess this was, let's see, 2000 and... I feel like I first found your work on Pinterest. Maybe it was Pinterest. But the, then that, I feel like that linked well, me so, to like your website and maybe through other social media platforms. What's Facebook. really cool is what I like, m- m- a really cool memory for me is that I, one of my first art shows where I used to do a lot of paintings and like physical paintings where yeah. there were like, we, were, we would do gallery shows and stuff. Tori hosted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember her just being like, this is, the friend that yeah. Cassidy and I both lost a couple years ago. Um, she was one of the biggest like fans of my art, which like then led us to become, I just loved her. And like, she was like so supportive of everything. And she threw the first like solo art show that I ever did um, at Design Within Reach, which is like the, the company she was work- working for at yeah. the time. Um, so that was just a really cool memory. I feel like she was one of the first people that was like, I love your stuff and like made me and I really liked her style and everything she was like a part of and I was like well that's cool someone else that like <laughs> seems cool to me likes yeah. what I'm doing so yeah. um mm. so yeah from there I kind of did freelance work for a couple years um in the back of my head it's funny I feel like I was doing that freelance work freelance is tough because you're always designing for someone you're trying to meet someone else's right. vision it's not yeah. It is, they are coming to you because they love your style, but it's also not your thing. You know, it's it's like, I'm trying to meet, I'm trying to make them happy. What do you want? You know? And so for me, it was like, while I actually loved doing freelance work, it was always pretty tough because I was always trying to meet someone else's expectation and what they were expecting. Um, And so I just was like, man, it would be cool if I could do something that was mine and that I could own that was completely my vision and then, and then just sell it. And if <laughs> other people want it, then they can, yeah. they can buy it, but it's yeah. your vision yeah. Yeah, from the beginning. And so I think for after doing freelance for a couple of years, I was like, let's, I like, I always had in the back of my mind after I had Rye that like it would be rad to start a kid's clothing line. And because I was an illustrator, I did so much watercolor work to put those prints on little pieces of clothes. And I had found when I had her, I was like, man, how is there not, you know, the type of art that I like or that I do on clothes? It seems like a no brainer. And so that was kind of the birth of my idea of like, let's just try this thing. And so my dad being a silkscreen printer and printing, I mean, that obviously was vital to the whole situation <laughs> to too. Have that, to have that, yeah, because we're how yeah, else and you? and we both. And now obviously I had background in like right. product development and what it took right. to take an idea to a yes. concept and to tech pack it out and yeah. send it to someone to develop. And so um, it was kind of a no brainer where I was yeah. like, I feel like this totally makes sense. And at the time I had built enough of a social following to where I was like, maybe all those moms, a lot of moms that follow me now on Instagram will hopefully like what I'm doing too, because they're interested in what I'm doing anyway. And so it was just this crazy organic kind of switch over. And I think we, you know, the first season we were like, we shipped it all to my house and we had all the inventory (laughs) in our garage and like we sold out in a week. And it was like, you know, I think it was like, I can't remember the units, but 
it was, I was very nervous about it because we had yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> and you're like, so. are people going to buy this? And, and I was it like, sold out And I had week. no idea. Yeah. And it sold out in a week. And my dad was like, wow, that was interesting. Like, let's do it Cause again. Because he, he's in the business. Yeah. So like he also could probably <laughs> sniff out or see if like, is this actually something that is going to be successful? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't know either. I mean, yeah. he, he, He's obviously, I'm his daughter. He's like, <laughs> right. he's so like, like, do whatever you want, honey. You know? And but like, yeah. at the same time, it was like a risk, like financially. Yeah. And like, I didn't know if that would be a return for us or if yeah. it would turn into anything. Um, but yeah, so then we did it again and the next season sold out just as quickly. And then I went to my dad and I was like, I think this is something that like could be, you know, yeah. Big. Big. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I do too. And so he ended up coming on and partnering with me 50-50 in the business. Um, and really, it's kind of just, I mean, I could say a lot of stories, but like, it's just kind of snowballed into this crazy, way bigger business than we ever both imagined. Yeah. I mean, he's, I'm all creative and he does kind of all the business side of stuff. And so we worked together in the past with Jedediah, with the brand that we had before, um, and I mean, this is much more my vision and my baby and like, and he's yeah. come on and just kind of really helped grow it. And he has everything, all the skill sets that I don't in terms of business. So like, I feel like every creative person needs that, other, needs that counterpart. other person. And I mean, fortunately for me, I like trust my dad more than yeah. like anyone. Yeah. So like, I mean, it just was like the perfect partnership, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I was just listening to, um, Taylor Sterling, she was a different podcast that she was on and she said the exact same thing. Like yeah. as a creative, like every person that's creative needs the person who's yeah. going to keep them on track totally. and like have the business things in mind for her. Totally. That's her business coach, Sam. Yeah. Like, yeah. That she needs yeah. that kind of partner. And you do, you need it. Doing. I feel like you, as a creative, I feel like a lot of us are like dreamers and we think like big picture and, but, and we like create all these like things and we're hundred percent creative, but yeah. then the business brain, right. w- what it takes like with finances and selling and like strategy and you know, yeah. there's so much more that I'm like, n- is not my gift. Right. And I know that, you know, and like what you and I were just talking, talking about before we started recording. Um, so I made a little video for you, for your yeah. <laughs> recent, Quince, your recent new business that you that you started with Quincy May, Quincy May, um, that you asked me to do a video. And I was like, I told you, I was like, and I didn't want to be paid for it because the minute all of a sudden I get yes. paid for something, it's like that blocks, it feels like it blocks creativity for me. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's fine because being a videographer is not my career, right? Like yeah. it's just something that I want to sort of keep sacred as like, well, it turns creative. into something that's like you have to do because you're not going to get, right. you're, you know, you're going to get paid. Whereas if it's um, and it becomes a little bit stressful and burdensome. Yeah, it could, right. you know. But it feels like that blocks creativity for me. But then I think to myself, well, I get the luxury of saying, oh, I get, this is just for creativity's sake and just for fun. Right. But if for somebody who this is their business, like mm-hmm. this is this is what's going to, they need it. They need yeah. their creativity to make money for them. Right. right? Like, I don't, I don't actually know how that happens because for me, I've always sort of like kept it separate. Yeah. You know? But um, you have this whole other piece. Well, I guess. <laughs> I 
doing a lot more things. That's not like the main thing you're focusing on. And I think as being a therapist has its its own way. It's creative, right? But I don't know. It's like, how do you, but what I'm hearing from you is like, for you, it was really important to have that, that other person, right? That allows. Yeah. Well, I just know that that was a key component into the, into our success. Like I could go on and say, you know, like, yeah, it's my art and it's the styles that I'm designing and it's like all this, which I fully believe that that's a huge part of it. And it's right. the way that we present the product and the f- photos we take and it's, it's all of it. It's a whole package yes. deal, but like that's everything visual, but there needs to be someone also behind the scenes. that's doing all the yeah. other things. So yeah. it takes a team for sure. And like, fortunately we've built such an awesome team. I mean, we're tiny, we're seven people and now we have wow. two brands, Riley and Crew and Quincy May. Um, and we're a little team, so people are always, like, surprised, like, who, who's doing everything? We're <laughs> right. Like, we, we're, we can, but it's not, like, it's not more than we can handle. I think it's a yeah. lot, but it's it's not more than we can handle. So um, what have been everyone some of key, the, plays a key role. Yeah. What have been some of the things that you, can you share, like, what some of, like, the, the struggles have been or challenges or, like, things that you sort of had to learn along the way in the process? Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I hired a, an assistant designer, uh, a year ago now, a little over a year ago, I think for a long time <laughs> for me, I've always done everything on my own. And so, especially yeah. as a freelancer, you do everything on your own, you know? Um, and so turning into a brand where it's like, you need, you need multiple players, yeah. you need more people than just yourself in order to grow. Um, You have to surrender and give up some of that control. And that's super hard for me. I think it's still super hard for me, actually. Um, I wonder, how can they help me? I feel like I have to do it all, though, Mm -hmm. because no one can do it like I can Mm -hmm. do it, you know? Yeah. And that's a lie, because someone can probably do it better than me, Mm -hmm. you know, at some some of the things. Right. Um, Or could bring something in that maybe is not better, but is something different, something something that you wouldn't have thought of or considered. mm -hmm. And so that, for me, has been a big learning curve. I feel like I kind of wore myself out when I didn't need to. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm still, like I said, I think I still struggle with that control, but I think I maybe always will. will. It's just the kind of nature of, like, a creative person. I feel like it's, like, if it's their vision they want to kind of execute um but yeah I've had to have other people help me and come alongside me and be like okay you can do this social <laughs> like right. you can do you know that yeah. that whole layout that catalog yeah. I trust you with that because yeah. I can't do that plus finish all the things that I need to finish right um so that's been a little bit of a struggle a lot of bit of a struggle I guess for me I just think uh criticism and negativity sometimes when you are growing, you get a lot of that. I, well, especially as a clothing brand, I think, you know, yeah. you're selling a lot of stuff and then it's going out all, in the world. It's going and out like in the being world. Worn and being yeah. washed or being. And I guess like customer service, like all the emails you get are yeah. obviously all the negative ones right. and the problems. And of course, there's going to be some problems and we're not perfect, but yeah. we're trying our darndest. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that also is has always been like, tough if I hear the negative stuff but at the end of the day I have to know there's like so many more people that are loving it than are you know frustrated or mad about something right (laughs) it's gonna always use people mad about something yeah but um have you found a way to sort of I mean I'm sure sometimes they come in and it sticks right so it's not they're not just like going through it's not just like passing (laughs) you're letting go of it but have you found other ways that you do navigate that like the the criticism or the negative feedback. Um, yeah. Like how do you, 
are there things that you've found that are, that help when those things do show up to allow you to sort of, um, I think in the beginning it was me getting the emails. (laughs) So that was tough. Like, and now it's not me anymore. And I actually don't want to know all of it. Mm. So like I found myself protecting, yeah, just protecting myself a little bit. I think there's great value in knowing things that you're doing wrong and, and hearing hard stuff that can make you better for sure. I think that's the only way you grow. And so I want to know the things that are important and like, I mean, if it fits off, gosh, let me know because I need to fix it and get that right next season. Um, but the negativity that is unwarranted or that just comes from someone that's having a bad day, like, you know, that's the stuff I don't want to hear and don't need to know. So I found protecting myself, not doing it, not hearing all of it, but hearing the, telling my customer service people, hey, tell me right. when like something's like I Comes should know. In, but it's useful. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> useful. Because it's constructive criticism. That's the only way you, you know grow. how you can get better. And yeah. I feel like I'm always I've always been a person that like I don't I wanna like I mean I for sure make mistakes, right? And like I do things that are wrong. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. And like I wanna know when I'm do when something was off or when I did something wrong because I don't wanna do that next time, you know? And so I want to grow and I want to learn and I want our company to always be one that's like growing and learning and being better. I don't want to ever, I think the second you're in a place where you're like, yeah, we're doing everything and right. comfortable. Then like, that's when you like start going downhill. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, all growth starts from discomfort, you yes. know, like that's sort of where, where growth begins is through, right. like wherever that space is of discomfort. Mm-hmm. So speaking of discomfort or challenges, <laughs> um, <Good segment>. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been, you've been more open publicly about this, but this is something that I, that I've known that we've, that we've talked about, um, mm-hmm. knowing you personally, that you struggle with health stuff mm-hmm. and specifically there's chronic pain that mm-hmm. comes with it. Um, can you share with us a little bit of that that history, and then we can kind of come into how these things come together in like the creative work and the work that you're doing as well, and just life. Yeah. So again, there's probably a long story too to that, but um, I think the when well when I was in, I guess going through puberty, <laughs> eleven yeah. around yeah. that age, like when your hormones start changing, I started having seizures. Um, and I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And so I had that for a couple years. I took medication. Thankfully, it was called juvenile onset where um, I grew out of it, basically. Yeah. Um, but kind of that was the first telltale sign. Something's a little off with her, like, wiring, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, looking back now, I can say that. I think right. I think at the time, at I was like, time. that was weird. And, yeah. like, got through it. And yeah. it was gone. And I was healthy, right? Um, so... But yeah, like now knowing what I know now is like, oh, that was probably the first sign that something mm. was off. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, self-inflicted. I, you know, late in high school, struggled with an eating disorder, um, which I don't think helped my cause any later in life. Um, yeah. But I recovered from that a few years after college. Um, and then kind of about two years prior to having Riley it was around when Sam and I were dating um I started having like crazy chronic just digestive issues mm-hmm. um I had to stop working for a season where I was just wanted to be curled up in a ball on the couch like I went to so many doctors and you know was diagnosed with IBS and you know was told there was really nothing I could do 
Um, I saw like a naturopathic doctor who was like, gave me like, I was taking like 30 pills a day um, to try and like help my gut and like just nothing was working. Um, And so, I mean, it didn't get chronic, chronic to where I was like, like when I stopped working until like probably after we got married. So, I mean, I was dealing with stomach gut stuff for a good three years. Yeah. Um, and then I accidentally <laughs> got pregnant with Riley, like literally on our one year anniversary. And, um, that was probably that one year, first year of our marriage, poor Sam. It was probably one of the hardest years. Mm. I mean, this has probably been the other hardest year, but that was one of the hardest years of my life where I was like, my stomach was just a mess. Like I, I struggled to like walk and, you know, have, I had no good days. Um, but then, so yeah, then I got pregnant and I was like, that was when I was like trying all these different, you know, things. I was taking these shake supplements. I was probably like 92 pounds, like crazy tiny. Um, and then I got pregnant and then I was like, how on earth do you create a human? How am I going to carry this baby in, in this body? This well, not only body, but a, a gut. Yeah. <laughs> that was where all my pain was. It was just burning all the time. It just felt terrible, and I'm like, "There's no way," you know. Yeah. And so I was just praying that I could get through it, and like, you know, whatever. And sure enough, like, I call Riley my miracle baby because it was like literally like, I would say probably three months into the pregnancy when I realized. Feeling, I'm feeling a little bit better, you know, yeah. like even better than I was <laughs> right. before, which is, was, you know, the Surprising. first couple of months I was puking my brains <laughs> right. out and like even worse. But like after I got through that, it was like, wow, I feel a little bit better. And then I realized, you know, I was kind of just starving all the time. I don't know how other yeah. people are always with pregnancy. Everyone's so different, but I was also very underfed and malnourished at the time and like I was just starving all the time so I started to like out of convenience grab the things that I wasn't supposed to eat gluten and dairy and like I would the things that had previously uh, yeah that previously hurt and I realized that they weren't affecting me anymore the way that they used to and so I started kind of going crazy and eating like yeah all the things because I was like I think I can eat this so like Sam always jokes like I would literally eat like a pizza like a whole pizza (laughs) So anyway, all of that to say her pregnancy, I got through her pregnancy. It was like, I was feeling so much better. I delivered her and I was feeling pretty darn good. Like, like how I I hadn't felt like that in over four years, I would say. Um, But then quickly after her, I would say like a year after her, I started kind of having these weird heart kind of anxiety issues and started and then, um, I mean, you know, it was my, my progression has been like a really slow progression. And now I know I have autoimmune diseases (laughs) and I think I've had them all along. I just didn't know what it was. It was like migrating pain. It was like never this one thing, but it was always weird. Like it was never like this, you have a cold and you'll get better. You broke your foot. You'll get better. It was like really weird stuff. Like, like I felt like I had a stroke one time where my eyes would like go (laughs) like really weird and like I wouldn't be able to see and then I'd have this ringing in my ear and then like an intense pain in my head and I was like what the heck was that (laughs) um it's been so scary so scary and it happened like a bunch of times um and I still don't really know what that was you know they think it was some sort of migraine but um yeah so then I had crew and I I mean 
I felt like I was healthy enough to have another baby. Yeah. I wasn't, I, I feel like this year, which I have three babies now, crew, Riley, who's seven, crew, who's four, and Quincy, who just turned 15 months, which is mm-hmm. wild. I feel like I just had her. <laughs> um, but this year after I had Quincy is the first year I've really kind of gone through, gotten thrown on my back where I'm like, wow, we got to figure this out. Like, yeah. like I got diagnosed with POTS, which is a, a heart condition. Um, my heart beats too fast um, and I get dizzy and see stars a lot. So I just have to be, drink a lot of water, have a lot of salt, like be careful yeah. for like, you know, with my heart. Um, but my blood pressure is really low. So anyway, <laughs> um, I got diagnosed with that with him because I started having like a ton of palpitations while being pregnant with him. Yeah. And then thought they'd go away after they didn't go away. Went to a bunch of cardiologists and 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 autoimmune rheumatologists and stuff. And then officially got got diagnosed with POTS, which is a little bit of an umbrella kind of diagnosis. I think a lot of people just are affected differently by POTS. And for me, I was pretty high functioning. Like it didn't. Um, some people can't walk. Like they their blood. Like it's basically your heart doesn't regulate. Like if you're laying down and you you sit up, yeah. your heart rate spikes to like abnormally high to where you like might pass out. Yeah. And mine isn't that extreme, but it's like definitely affects me. Um, which also gave me uh, a, a symptom of POTS is Renaud's, um, which is affects my circulation. My feet are always white or purple. Um, I have to always like keep them warm or wear yeah. socks and it's not the most glamorous, but <laughs> working in fashion, you're like, oh. you're like, I mean, oh, now I'm kids doing kids wear, so it doesn't matter, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense. I feel you like are. I'm going all over the no, board. <laughs> you're sharing the story and the story is not just linear, right? Yeah. The story is not it's, just going to be this like perfectly curated story. Yeah. It's a story of your... I feel like mine's really hard to like kind of sum into this perfect yeah. little, um, but I you think know. that's representative of sort of like how it's probably felt. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, they, they suggested I go on a beta blocker when I had all my heart, when I got diagnosed with POTS and I went on that for a couple of months and it was making me feel worse. So I went off of it. So really it was just POTS that I was dealing with up until Quincy. And I was like, I feel like I just always, I mean, I really wanted another baby. I just didn't know if I should because yeah. of my body. And um, we were, Sam and I were like, praying about it and he was like good with two <laughs> and I I just really had this like you know ache in my heart for like yeah. another baby and I was like I think one more I think my body can do it you know yeah um and so I my pots got really bad with Quincy it was like I I kind of started getting visual changes that weren't just like the dizziness I had yeah. a lot of like specks and floaters and like it's kind of scary stuff where you like your vision kind of yeah. seems like it might you might go blind. <laughs> um, none of it being life threatening, but it was just scary. And then heart palpitations are just a little scary. I've, I've gotten so used to them, and they're just a part of my everyday life now. But like when you're pregnant and having heart oh, palpitations, yeah. it's like yeah. literally like thousands a day where you're just like it just gets to be like a little scary. And you're already so tuned into your body, or you can't. I, I know yeah. I was in during my pregnancies, right? Mm-hmm. Always like, well, what was that sensation? What was this? And, mm-hmm. and it's easy for that to turn into anxiety and worry about yes. how things. So are. it's funny because I've never considered myself to have anxiety, yeah. But like since uh, kind of really in the last six years, with all the health stuff I've had. I for sure think I now have anxiety, yeah. but it's tri- it's been triggered by 
fear of like health health fears, which is like fear of death, fear of like not being able to take care of my kids. Like, and I'm putting this in context with our experience of losing a friend Mm -hmm. to cancer, right? And so now it's it's you always know that it's real that you can be young Mm -hmm. and have young children and. And that bad things, you can die, right? Like that that's mm-hmm. always a possibility. But like when you're faced with it as directly as we were, while also from hearing you talk about this, like going through your own health stuff, yeah. like it's, it's understandable that fear would show up and yeah. be like, yep, this doesn't feel safe. Yep. Like, and at all that you, yeah, would then experience anxiety and then heart palpitations. I mean, you know, a racing <laughs> heart is something that can be linked with anxiety anyway. And right. So, and so sometimes I was like, is this an, an anxiety attack or yeah. is this just my heart freaking out? And I think it's anxiety, you know, but I think I have both because oh, I've, yeah. I never used to have anxiety, but with the heart issues, it fe- it almost feels like anxiety. So it's like, it gives me anxiety. So now you're having a, <laughs> it's you're, a it's circle like, of oh my like, gosh, a vicious cycle. It's a, it's really, it was a vicious cycle. Um, and, uh, so yeah, with her, I had, you know, it got pretty intense and I was like, well, I just have to get through this birth and like this. And it was, it was a really rough pregnancy for me, like really rough. Um, but (laughs) her birth story is kind of crazy. She like, I mean, my, all my births were like under three hours. Like (laughs) I I feel like I have these kind of hard, really hard, like pregnancies, but then the birth, I mean, I was like, I'm going to give you some mercy on these (laughs) births because you deserve it. But well, Quincy was a little scary. She like, I didn't have, I barely made it to hospital and there was like no doctor and she came flying out. did Sam even make it? He wasn't in the room. He wasn't in the room. Yeah. Cause it was so fast. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. I was like holding her for like 10 minutes and they're like, do you want your cell phone? Like, do you want to call your husband? And cause he was literally just (laughs) out like waiting for my mom to like pick up the kids. Like he had just dropped me off. I was like, yeah, let me call him and tell him to come meet his baby. (laughs) Oh my God. But so sure enough, after I had her, I separated my pubic bone, I think because of that wild delivery. Yeah. And so I really, it was rough. I like couldn't walk for like a month and a half. I remember coming to visit you like pretty soon after yeah. when Quincy was born and you said you're, you had separated your pubic bone and <laughs> you looked like you were in so much pain. Like you couldn't walk. It was really horrible. It was probably like, um, I mean, I don't, I don't, don't tell people this very much, but like the labor and del- like the delivery wasn't wildly painful like but like the pain of like this knife like yeah after the after pain was unreal like I and so so, like you hear about autoimmune conditions a lot and I've talked to a lot of people since and they're like you know like anything can like trigger an autoimmune condition and so part of me like looking back I'm like maybe that was like triggered then And like, you know, I don't know. That delivery. Yeah, that delivery and how kind of the delivery itself to me didn't feel traumatic, but like the pain afterward was super traumatic. And not only that, but like she, we, she had trouble gaining weight. So like she was like, go, we had to go to a doctor's office like every day, like of, of the week, like for a month, but like I could hardly walk. So I was like hobbling to doctor's offices, like trying to get her to latch. I was going to like, I was going to like, um, all these specialists to try and get her to latch. And like, she did the tongue and lip tie, which I don't know if anyone listening has done that, but that's traumatic in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
anyway, it was super rough. So like her and I were both in really bad shape. Yeah. Um, but okay. In all of this, while <laughs> you are running a business and you have two other children. Yeah. I mean, how did you, I mean, I, my mom lives close by. Yeah. She helped a lot. Sam thankfully has a super flexible job. He was like able to take off and help and, um, I mean, I obviously was not working during that season. Yeah. It was yeah. just, we're going to put that on pause right now. Yeah. <laughs> not that it was on pause, but it was thankfully during a season where it wasn't like crazy deadlines. And I, yeah. I was able to take that time and you off. you planned for that. We planned for that, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was like, it was wild. So I guess quickly after I separated my pubic bone, it was about, it was about like a month I would say a month and a half to where that like healed. It's not even fully healed still, but like to where it was like not crazy painful anymore. Yeah. Um, I started um, having really bad pain in my feet, which I then, it was like painful to walk again <laughs> <laughs> to where I was like, I just started to see all these doctors and they're like, you have plantar fasciitis in both your feet. And I was like, that's cool. Like why? <laughs> um, and so I did all like the treatments and stuff for that. Nothing helped quickly after that I started having pain in my legs and like my piriformis muscles like burning cramping like nervy pain also and so I was going to like physical therapists to try and like see like what is happening and I still think that it all was triggered by whatever happened with yeah. that delivery um and then I finally saw my rheumatologist and I'm like what like is anything different I took all this blood work um they're like you actually have Sjogren's now, which is like an un another autoimmune condition, which I'm actually still not, I'm still learning. Like I still feel like I'm at just the beginning of yeah. like trying to figure out what's yeah. happening. Um, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> What's the emotion that's coming up? Is, is it just, it's just been hard, you know? Yeah. Whew. It sounds like it's been, it sounds like a lot and it sounds like it's been really, really yeah. I think the hard, the hard part, the hardest part for me is, um, really has kind of been the unknown. Yeah. Like, um, I feel like I'm a person that's like, that's like, if there's a problem, let's, let's fix it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, but I first need to know the problem. Like, yeah. you know, like I need to know what's going on. Let's like get to the bottom of it and let's fix it. Um, and with this, it's kind of been, there's been so much unknown, you know, yeah. and like coming to terms with that is hard. Ugh. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Because you've mentioned, um, you mentioned God and you mentioned something else before that. Um, and just in knowing you, I'm, yeah. I'm curious what has been the role or the struggle, or the meaning, or whatever shows up for you with all of this as it relates to spirituality? Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning it was really hard for me. I was like, like I had a lot of questions, like why? Um, I'm also like a really realistic person where I'm like, I know there's other people struggling more than I am. Like, yeah, I'm not this like unicorn that has these weird things and no one else does. Like, there's a lot of people that are like way worse off. And so I always need to remember that. Yeah. But sometimes if you're in a situation where like you don't know anyone around you that are dealing with the same struggles. You feel alone. You feel crazy alone. 
And so I think for me, I think it's been, I mean, it's been a couple years. And so like in the beginning, it was like, why, why mm-hmm. would, why would you do this to me? The question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, and I'm not that much further along physically, mm-hmm. but like I am, I am further along in my, I feel like mental state because I'm, um, I think just being open and being vulnerable and like sharing my story with other people has helped me a lot. Kind of, it's almost therapeutic for me as, as much as it is. I'm hopeful that it's like helping other people. Um, but I think for me, the hope, I, I feel like, um, to get through this and like to have a hope that there's like something good on the other side of this yeah. is God. Like, yeah. I'm like, I know he, he is, I mean, I know good can come. And a lot of times you have to go through something hard to have something beautiful, right? You have to, there, you have to drudge through something or work hard or yeah. something hard has to happen before something good happens. And so for me, it's like, I know this body that I'm living in now isn't my final body. And I believe that I'm going to have like a perfect body later. I don't, but I would love to not be living in this body for the rest of my life. That would be real nice. You know, that, that is a, that is something that I know I have innate hope for. Um, but then on the other side, I also think that, um, going through pain and like going through struggle in whatever capacity, I mean, mine happens to be physical. Um, it builds our character and it like, it draws me personally closer to God. Um, because I need him, you know, I need, I need something. I need (laughs) to have hope that like, you know, this will get better. And if it doesn't to have hope that I he'll give me the endurance that I need Mm -hmm. to run the course, you know? Um, and I also think it like, um, it allows me, it, it has allowed me, especially, especially this year, I just have felt like I've been kind of walking through a lot of character growth <laughs> myself. Um, but it's allowed me to like relate to other people that are struggling in such a bigger capacity than I ever have before. Right. And I think that's super valuable. I think other people like need that like we we need each other you know and like to have other people know that I understand kind of the pain um in some degree is like I think it's kind of life-changing you know I think that when you started public more publicly talking about these things and and I know you and I know like I've I get the pleasure of knowing that beyond what is what people might imagine your life is, right? The, this person who has beautiful children and this dream job and all yeah. of these things, right? And like really fashionable, <laughs> you know, like be- these beautiful images. Like I get the pleasure of um, of knowing you and knowing like the knowing you outside of those like perfect, beautiful, curated yeah. images. The real you. You can see that. Yes. It's like it is. Um, Cause I feel like so much of the time it's, I mean, I, I'm guilty of this too. You we're in such an Instagram world, right? right? Where we like, just look on our phones and we, we like, wish we, we had that girl's body or that girl's job or that girl's house. Like I'm guilty of the house things currently, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's never, 
everyone is struggling behind those pictures. We all have things. It might seem like it's perfect, but it's one dimensional. It's, it's showing so one, one dimension. dimension. And I know we all know that, but we always need to be reminded of it. You can never be reminded of that enough. And it's like, for me, I'm like, I've, I felt almost kind of convicted. Like I should be sharing this. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that like, yeah. you know, I can just sit here and keep to myself. It almost felt fake. It's like, not, not something that I can just go through and that's that there is something in that for me to be going through. There's something else that by actually sharing this and the yeah. power of vulnerability and sharing right. all this, that there is some meaning, there's meaning in that too. Totally. And that's not to take away from the fact that you wish that you could be in a different body and not feel the pain. Yeah. And like that, like, oh, because then I think there's like, it's not about, it's not like I need my pain to then give this message. Like, I, no. I don't think that that's, that that's the message there, yeah. but that there's, but there's some in like, there's almost like, this is something that I can have agency in, right? And yeah. like be doing and creating connections. And that feels good. That well, feels yeah. And feeling. also like while you're in it, it's like, you might as well have something good come from that, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I think like a lot of times our culture is like pursuit of happiness, right? right. That's the goal. <sighs> yeah. But like. And that can be really, that can be that can really, be really dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Totally. But like. I'm suffering yeah. and like I, my hope is that through this suffering, something good is comes out of it, right? Hopefully for me at some point and I'll, well, I guess sharing it and being vulnerable with my story has been good for me. Yeah. I feel like my mental state and where I am like mentally is way better than what it was in the beginning of when this started. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with sharing and realizing that other people are like praying for me or like, not that I'm happy anyone's struggling, but if we can share our experiences together, it's just, it's really freeing. It's the loneliness that we talked about. Like it's, you no longer feel like you're alone. Um, and I think a lot of people need that, you know? And so I was like, well, the least I can do is just share that I'm not this perfect person and that these struggles are real for me and hopefully someone else out there maybe feels like a little bit less alone in their walk whatever they're going through so well I imagine whoever is listening right now um I mean, I, I just, it's, I know we talked in the beginning about how you're like, it's so much better because it's just you and me, but like, obviously we know that people are listening. Yeah. Um, and I just, I wish that, I wish that they were actually here because there's just so much, um, vulnerability in your face and <laughs> your, and in being in this like space with you right now. Um, and I, I hope it's all coming through. I think that it is. So, so I'm curious, Kelly, you know, cause we've talked about like the loneliness piece, um, and, and all of that, but you know, you're, you're, it's interesting, right? You can feel alone while also being surrounded, like mm-hmm. surrounded by your kids. Sometimes the loneliest feelings though, are when you're like surrounded by, by kids and by people because they have needs too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're trying to, how do you, how do you balance all of those things? Mm-hmm. Um, and also just because you're being so busy, there's also the business and all of mm-hmm. that. So I'm curious how, how do you navigate that? The and I actually hate the word balance because like how does is that even possible? You know, but nope. How, no, <laughs> that's the answer. So like, how do you how do you guys navigate or sort of hold space for like all of these pieces 
the health, having being a mother, having three children, your business, a marriage, partnership. Yeah. How do you do all that? Um, like you said, balance is like a myth. (laughs) I think, but early on I thought that that for sure was possible for me, but I quickly learned that it was just not going to happen. I feel like you have to make your priorities and do the best you can every day to like, you know, do the things that need to get done and whatever can't get done, you have to be okay with that. And sometimes that's making hard choices. That's saying like, I'm choosing to put this thing first. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, for me, it's like, I have, I'm super thankful. I have my, I have family that lives close. I have, we have an incredible nanny. And so I for sure have help. I I mean, there's no way I could do anything without help. And so I'm thankful I have this, like, I mean, people say it takes a village and it like literally does, (laughs) especially when your body's falling apart. (laughs) Um, but I think for me, it's always been hard to to give myself the time and to give myself the care that it needs. And, and that might be part of the reason my health isn't where it should be. Um, I don't think it is a reason, but yeah. I think it for sure doesn't help that, okay. that I'm so busy and that life is stressful and that I have other kids. And yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely hard. Um, but it's also... You know, I think I think falling on my face this year and realizing I can't do all this anymore because physically every day like my body hurts. Yeah. It's forced me to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. It's forced me to get in the mindset that like at work it's like if I didn't finish that I'm going to stay late and I'm going to finish it and we're going to, you know, but now I'm like no, I'm oh. leaving at 4 yeah. and like I'm going to go home and I'm going to lay down because that project it was it's due tomorrow but it's not going to be done tomorrow. So it's going to be late and that's okay. And like be okay with not being perfect and be okay with not meeting deadlines and just being okay with not being perfect, I guess. Yeah. Um, At work, as a mom, as a mom mom too, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like obviously any mom knows you know, three kids is demanding. It's not only physically, I actually get more exhausted on the days I'm home oh, all day than the days too. that I'm at work. And Me people too. are like, that's so stressful. How do you have a job? How do you work every day? But I'm like, like no. it's actually easier. That's, that's a great. That's <laughs> so to be honest, high fived all the stay at home yeah. moms. Cause it's the hardest job there is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love my kids and I love spending quality time with them. And I feel like I've, you know, it's just I have to prioritize that. Yeah. And so I take my kids on dates, you know, one-on-one. I feel like that's, like, my favorite thing I can do with them is, like, one-on-one, take them on a date, tell them how great and special they are, and it's just food for the soul for both of yeah. us. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like this balance thing, it's, like, it's not – it's just not the right word, you know? Uh-huh. It's, like yeah. – I mean, people have said juggle, and it's more like a juggle, I guess. But. I know. I think we're always trying to, like, capture language to kind of, like, articulate, like, the right. experience of it. But, right. And the, the word we come up with, with ba- is balance, which is just so – I mean, I get it, but – I get yeah. it, but it's, like, that a balance means that, like, in all in, – in order to have balance, right, if you think about, like, a balance – like, a machine that's, like, balancing things, it needs every – thing that it's holding to be an equal weight. Right. And that's like, we're, well, that's, we're actually in the opposite of that. Like right. we're constantly having to say, okay, I'm choosing to, to tune into this and prioritize this mm-hmm. so that I could put my energy into this. And mm-hmm. that does mean I'm not tuning into this. It doesn't mean it's not important to me, but it yeah. means that I'm setting boundaries and I'm 
making tough choices right. and that that always is moving. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to do my best every day, you know, and that's, that's the most beautiful thing you can offer yourself and your children is good enough. Yeah. And I read this thing the other day, I think it was on mother mag's Instagram and I loved it so much where it was like, I think Drew Barrymore said it where it was like, I want to tell my kids that it's like, I'm proud of what I do. I Mm -hmm. go to work because it's something I love and it's something that that fulfills me and it's something I'm doing for them too, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, it's like, I don't want them to ever think that work is like this, she said, like this yucky thing that I have to go do that takes me away from them. Mm. It's a thing that's like, Mm-hmm. beneficial, yeah. you know, and needed in the world and yeah. like empower them to chase their dreams too. And to, mm-hmm. you know, and I love that. Cause I was yeah. like, man, I want them to know that too, that like yeah. they can do whatever they want to do and be whoever they want to be if they put their mind to it and work hard. And I love my job and I love them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just trying to figure out how you can be the best for, with your circumstance. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So where can where can people continue to like follow your work and you personally and your, the businesses that you're growing and doing and, and all of that? Yeah, um, I mean personally, it's Kelly uh, on Instagram. It's just at Kelly underscore Murray. Mm-hmm. I'm not posting there a ton anymore, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, but RileyandCrew.com is my brand. And you can find us on Instagram at Riley and Crew. And then we just launched a Layette um, baby brand called Quincy May. And that one on Instagram, that one's underscore Quincy May. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.